Welcome back into another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Steele. You can find me on Twitter at FantasyRath13 and join, as always, by or by my co-hosts at CKutzerFF. Uh, things might sound a little weird um, because we broke this up into two episodes, so if you didn't, go check out the episode we released yesterday, which is a Free Agent Reactions Part 2. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Today's show, we're going to be talking about Dynasty startup ADP, some tips, you know, about, you know, if you're new to Dynasty and you're kind of getting your feet wet a little bit, some stuff that can help you out a little bit. So if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at, at FF underscore authority, or you can email us at the fantasy authority one at gmail.com, or you can jump into our free Slack chat, absolutely free. So look, see you guys in there and thank you for listening. I saw the Jaguars sign Tyler Eifert to a two-year deal, but we don't. That's not something we really need to get into. I think this is an interesting conversation. I guess then leading into what we're going to be talking about with startup ADP. If you're doing a startup right now, I imagine there's probably a lot more startups going on than usual, especially with everything going on with coronavirus. We're all quarantined. We can't go anywhere. We're looking for something to do. <laughs> And so this is a perfect time just to get a bunch of startups in, right? And so right now, you're doing a startup. You don't have any draft capital. So we don't really have all the answers to the test because we don't really know what's going to happen with some of these guys, where they're going to go. We can try to project, but at the end of the day, we're, we're just as much blind as anybody else is. And so in terms of some of these guys, like a Devin Funches that we just talked about, um, and, and or other guys that may be dependent on if somebody gets drafted there or not to really is going to hurt or help their ADP and their value. How do you navigate those waters with those players? With with startups, um, this is going to be such a typical hedge life answer coming from me right now. But it it, it really just depends on how you want to build your team. You know, I mean, like if if you want to go super youth heavy, you know, obviously that's that's where you're going to go with that. That's actually something I think that. Um, if you're doing your first dynasty draft where I think you can you can get caught is overrating youth. Um, but to me, it, it you really just have to pay attention to how everyone else is drafting and kind of just, you know, you, you have to be super fluid and, you know, and what like you can go in with a, with the best plan. But if you notice that everybody is kind of, you know, let's say you're in a in a league where maybe one or two guys have been in a dynasty before, but, you know, you're kind of taking your your home redraft league and you're turning it into a dynasty. If you notice that everyone is kind of just drafting the, the way that they would with a, you know I mean? With a regular redraft kind of, kind of league, that's where you, you know, you, you want to zag and start picking up youth, start looking at some of the guys who are going to be, you know, the core of your team for the next three, four years. So to, to me, I, I try to keep it balanced no matter what. I always you still want to get the you know you'll you'll hear some people say don't draft anybody over you know 28 years old and they'll throw out some kind of arbitrary number. Breaking news: uh, D Hop and Devontae Adams are 27 years old and they're still going to be damn good for the next couple of years. So the, to, to me, it's it's more about watching what everyone else is doing and trying to get an idea of how they're building their teams. And then kind of coming up with your, um, you know, with your strategy based off of that. But don't overrate youth. Don't, you know, oh, well, this is a dynasty, so I have to get all the guys that are 20, 21, 22 years old. You, you definitely want to have a balance um, and look for guys where you can, you can see, the, see the opportunity if, if, the, if the situation presents itself. I feel like I may have just talked to a massive circle there. So no, I think that makes sense, right? So the things that I've noticed too with with the dynasty community, anyways, and you know, I am, you know, I try to be transparent. Like I am not a huge dynasty guy. Um, I have been much more DFS and redraft through my life. I have played in some dynasty leagues, not many, but I have, you know, been there. And the things that I've noticed and witnessed when in terms of dynasty is, I like you mentioned with age. I feel like everybody or the majority overvalues age and would rather take a guy who is 21 years old versus that, that really has never been accomplished and 
versus a guy who's 24, 25. Now, I understand the, the long-term longevity and everything else of a player where you may like, you know, for example, you know, Julio Jones, for example, who's 31. And, you know, he may have one or two good years left in him. So I somewhat understand that. But he's still dominant. He's still one of the best wide receivers in the league. And where I feel like people try too much to worry about age and not like, I feel like, aren't we trying to win? Like, that's always been my question with Dynasty is what I see is like a lot of times I'm like, are you guys trying to win? Like, or are you trying to win your trade so you can post it on Twitter? Because like, that's what it feel, like, feels like so, so often than not. It's like, it's all about trading. I'm like, oh, I just want to trade a trade. And we're just trading. Like, I'm like, I want to win. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. I felt like if I was entering a Dynasty startup, and maybe this is complete wrong, but this is, I feel like that I would go about it in a way where I go in and I'm just drafting like it's redraft. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but like, cause I'm trying to win that year, trying to project what happens three or four years down the road is super tough. Even NFL people cannot do that. And trying to expect somebody like us to try to be able to f- figure out what's going to happen three or four years from now, because imagine, you know, DeAndre Hopkins just got traded, right? You would have said that a month ago, people were like, he ain't getting traded. What are you talking about? That ain't never going to happen. And it, yeah. if DeAndre Hopkins didn't go to Arizona, had he went to a different landing spot that wasn't as good, you know, not that DeAndre Hopkins would be dead, but like you certainly wouldn't feel as good about him. Or a player you know, like Stefan Diggs, for example. Stefan Diggs now gets traded. Not, not people, now he was traded to Buffalo. Like people don't love him nearly as much as they did when he was in Minnesota. And so like there's a lot of stuff like this that happens. And so trying to project so far out, like I feel like is a little bit silly. Or is that crazy? Or is that wrong? No, I don't like that that would be something where if, you know, you're in a twelve team league and you notice the, you know, nine of the the other eleven are just going super youth heavy, that that's a massive thing you can exploit to where you you go for it this year. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's something where, like I said, you just you have to be fluid and kind of try and pick up on on what other guys are doing. If you see that a Julio Jones is, you know, you're at the back end of the second round and he's still sitting there, I mean, you you snag him at that point or see if you can get him on the you know on the on the turn in the in the third, something like that. But um, the the one the one area where I would say to that you'd want to be cautious with that. If you do go kind of the, the redraft and, and dynasty approach is just to not completely overload on just the, you know, 28, 29, 30 year olds that are, that are producing right now, because if one of those guys gets hurt or two of those guys get hurt or, you know, that, that age cliff kind of hits and they, you know I mean? They start falling off production wise and, you know, let's say so, someone like you, Kev, where you just might be like, I don't want these, future rookie picks like give me the guy who's going to produce now let's you know what i mean let's say the older guys injured production falls off now you don't have any picks now you're in a hole you know what i mean like you can you can definitely you can still go out and build a veteran heavy productive team but do it in a way where you're not going to be you know setting yourself up for failure if you know a, a thing or two goes wrong but i i definitely think you're right in saying that because that's dude, that's definitely something I did with my first dynasty startup. I remember, I remember at the end of it, I literally went through and like added up the ages of like my running back core, my receiver core. And I remember like texting my buddy and being like, "Dude, the average age of my running backs are only like twenty point eight, and my receivers are only like twenty two point four. Man, I'm super young. I'm gonna be set up for you know, the next ten years." So I mean, that's definitely something that. Uh, that that happens and is you know pervasive because on on a surface level it makes sense you know you're oh dude i'm gonna this dynasty league i'm gonna have these guys forever you know i mean I, what do i want a 31 year old julio jones for he might not be playing next year that's just something where you have to you, ha- you have to be aware of what you kind of are thinking the other people in your draft are doing and then kind of a- attack it that way but i mean you can definitely do the the redraft portion of it but I just wouldn't go all in on, well, it's the fifth round. I need a tight end. Jared Cook, step on up, buddy. No, yeah, I, I think that does make some sense. Like, I, I guess with my, my redraft strategy is a little bit different. Like, I am definitely not somebody who loves eight, like, or loves, like, older, like, players. Like, it's just not my thing. Like, I would, not that I, like, 
that's the only thing I think about, but most of my tapers are, are a little bit younger, but like, it's not just the only thing I think about, I guess. It's just, I don't know. And like some of the things like we'll talk about here, here shortly with, with some of this, what are some things for people who are just starting out, have never done it. Uh, maybe they're just now getting into dynasty. They want to check it out. They're on Twitter. They see people talking about, it. they decide to jump into a couple dynasty startups. Like what are some things that you've seen that, that would help people? Like, I think one for me, certainly, and I actually put this out on Twitter and somebody brought it up and it was, I think it's it's a really good call and that that's paying attention to what the settings are because I sometimes think people try to show how big their penis is by by how many different settings are in dynasty leagues. I mean, there are some wild wild dynasty leagues like just with all kinds of different things, little different caveats, different settings, different things. I mean, there's this thing taxi squads if people have never heard of dynasty and maybe well, the first time I heard that I'm like what the fuck is a taxi squad? So like you know, like there's all sorts of things with Dynasty. There's Devi. There, I mean, there is so many different things. You talk to like Travis May, who did like a like it was like a, a thousand player draft or something crazy. Like it, it can get wild with Dynasty real fast. I wouldn't recommend going and jumping in those. I mean, try to jump into like a little bit more casual dynasty league probably for your first time what are some things you see i definitely think settings is number one you definitely need to know exactly what your point settings yeah, are absolutely. roster restrictions like those are key with dynasty leagues critical with dynasty to understand those things but what are some other things that you've seen yeah that's that that's a huge one because then you're also getting into super flex tight end premium you know how many you know, like, because I, I feel like for the most part, redraft, you're, you're getting your typical, like, one quarterback, two running backs, three receiver kind of thing. Um, one of the dynasty leagues I'm in is just all flex, just five flex spots. So it gives you obviously more, you know, more flexibility um, in terms of how you're going to build your roster and how you want to do that. Um, scoring settings, you know, I mean, points for first down, you're talking, you know, four uh, for quarterbacks, is it four or six for a passing touchdown? Things like that. Those are super, super um, critical, and those can really set you back. You know, I've been in some startups where you know people are just like throwing around their future picks, and you know, if you're in an auction, throwing around auction money, and then all of a sudden you look at your team and you're like, "Wait, what? What did I just do?" And now you're screwed for the next three years, and you're locked into a dynasty. And now, you know, I mean, you have no shot on competing for you know another four or five years so um something i liked it because i i did see that something i liked that he brought up uh brian teeter um was he commissions a couple leagues and he puts it up on the message board and makes everybody respond that they read them that way you know i mean you're not you know you know you're not dividing the league right off the bat where you're just going to have one or two teams that are just absolutely terrible because they didn't take the time to to read the rules so that's that's a that's a huge one um like i said the the ones for me we've already kind of touched on already just paying attention to how other people are drafting not only in how you're going to set up your team right now but also with uh trades going forward you know i mean like kev if we're in a dynasty league and i see that you're you know talking about trading your picks like i'm going to come after your picks because if if i kind of have an idea of the kind of players you like if i have someone who I think might be kind of hitting that that production cliff, I'm going to throw them out to you. And that's something that's that's huge because then you can see what kind of positions these guys go after. Is there like a certain school that they go after or maybe even like are they SEC heavy, that sort of thing. Those can be all super, super valuable whenever you're, uh, whenever you're looking at trades and trade negotiations. Um, and the other thing, again, like we already talked about, don't overrate youth the you know oh i'm gonna have this guy for the next eight to ten years dude there's drafts i've done where you know a 30 person kind of kind of roster where i have literally the next year four or five of the same 30 that i drafted like don't like don't get yourself in the mindset of like oh well i'm gonna take joe burrow as my quarterback one because i'm gonna have him for 15 years and he's gonna be a baller like don't like don't get yourself caught in that in the youth trap and I'm going to have this guy because if you know, you always have to be open to if someone comes around with the right kind of offer and they're offering you a, a veteran plus rookie rookie picks or, you know, I mean, another player that you like for your young asset, you always have to be open to open to, to taking a look at, at that trade. So 
those are the, the the main ones we've we we've already hit on. Okay, yeah. I just I know this is a time like a time that people get into. It. You know, maybe I was never thinking about it. Maybe maybe we need to do a, like a TFA Dynasty League and just get some listeners in there or something like that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Just get something going, you know. Get something cooking, you know. So uh, if anybody's interested in that, hit us up on Twitter, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do that at Fancy Rat Thirteen or at Spencer FF, or you can hit us up on uh, our own at uh, the the site at FF underscore Authority, or you can also hit us up on email the Fantasy Authority One at gmail.com. So, anyways, so uh, let's keep it moving here because uh, you know we still got a lot to get into. So I think let's just go ahead and jump into some dynasty ADP. Let's do a little price check here because I went and I started looking at some of this stuff with some of these ADP for some of these guys. And let's just start at the quarterback position. We're going to do some guys we're a little bit higher on than consensus, and we'll also do a little bit that, that we're a little bit lower on than consensus. Um, for me, I'll start it off. The guys that I have here is one. I have Drew Locke. I have Matt Stafford, and I have Baker Mayfield. Uh, Drew Locke right now currently is going at QB twenty three. Uh, Matt Stafford at QB. 16 and Baker Mayfield at QB nine. And I also want to give a shout out to DLF because that's where we are getting this ADP from. Uh, They do great work, but I wanted to put that out there as well. But that's where we're getting this information from. But anyway, so with Drew Locke, like, like that's something we kind of already talked about earlier, but with this offense with Cortland Sutton and and what they're doing with him, Noah Fant and, and really Drew Locke really to end the year last year showed some real promise and showed some flashes. I can't believe it took him that long to bench Joe Flacco but once they did, like we kind of saw some of the traits, and like I've watched Drew Drew Locke because I'm I'm a Missouri fan. I grew I'm from Kansas City, so I'm a big Tiger fan, and so I've watched Drew Locke. And I remember ta- hearing about him even when he came out of Lee Summit, which is a local city here outside of Kansas City, and how people were really raving about him. He has all the arm talent in the world. There was some some concerns with you know some other things, some accuracy issues, whatnot. You know how he goes around in the pocket, but for the most part, what I saw from him last year was pretty promising. Um, he looked awful against the Chiefs, but that was to be expected. But regardless of that, like I think Drew Locke at least is an exciting prospect right now. And somebody at QB 23, super young, if you're looking for some age, but that, that can be had relatively late in a draft. Like If you're in a single QB league, not super flex, like, I really like that. And I think Drew Locke is somebody that I would definitely be looking at. And then Matt Stafford, as long as things stay the same and he does not go anywhere and he's the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions next year, that offense is still set up with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson. They still have Danny Amendola. Like, Matt Stafford was balling last year before he got hurt. With uh, the, the what the traverse process fracture or whatever at his back, which is obviously a concern, but I know that injury is not necessarily as serious as what you know some other back issues could be. Um, Tony Romo had it, you know, before, but so I'm not really that concerned with that. But QB 16 feels like an absolute steal, you know, in a startup. Like if I can get him there, you know, if I can have him, I like I have no problem taking Stafford. Stafford's still only 32 years old. It's not like he's old. You should be able to you know trust him for the next four to five seasons at least. And with this offense and the pieces they have around them, like I have no problem with targeting Matt Stafford. The other one is Baker Mayfield. I was surprised. Like I was, I kind of went back and forth on this because QB nine is still a little bit high. I think, especially when you look at how he performed last year, he was all the rage. He was all the hype. I would bet heading into last year, his ADP was likely much much higher than what it is right now. And so I feel like this is a little bit more of a buying opportunity in, in this offense. They still have Jarvis. They still have Odell Beckham. Um, you know, they added Austin Hooper. They still have Nick Chubb. They also have David Njoku. So I think this offense could really take a big step forward this year with Stefanski as the head coach. You know, now that Freddie Kitchens, who never had any business of being a head coach, is gone. So I, I like Baker Mayfield. If you have somebody that maybe doesn't feel as great about him, I think this is another great buying opportunity for somebody like Baker Mayfield. And if I had him as my QB1, I'd, feel, I'd still feel great about it. Yeah, Baker Baker has everything around him to to still be successful. If they can get that offensive line figured out, I think that that that's going to go uh, a long way in helping him. Um, I just pulled it up. Uh, March twenty nineteen ADP uh, Baker was QB six. So I I felt the same whenever I whenever I saw that I was I was expecting him to be lower because that is something that as much as ever. Wanted. Wouldn't that have been that was probably pre Odell Beckham trade, wasn't it? If it was March of last year, I think that was probably pre Odell trade. Mm. 
Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look it up here as I. Uh, I was curious what his ADP was like around August, like you know, heading into the season last year before the season started. I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, but Drew Locke was a was a guy who I was going to write down, but you beat me to the punch there. Um, he just seems like that's if you can, you know, like I think he's a he's a really nice target in super flex leagues for like your for your QB two. Um, if there was someone that's kind of like sleeping on that situation a little bit, Noah fan Corlin Sutton. There's someone who's rumored to be um, lo- looking for a guy like if it, you know if they can get like a Henry Ruggs to you know a speed kind of guy like that to, to pull some of that coverage away from Corlin Sutton and Noah Fan kind of let work underneath. I think that would be you know that that'd be massive. Baker <clears throat> Baker Mayfield QB four uh, August 2019. Yeah, he's like I said. Someone who has everything set around him, I like that. The the guy that I threw on here was Carson Wentz. He kind of feels like he's starting to get a little bit of that Matt Stafford treatment, where he's just like he just every year just going in like underrated. I mean, if you look at what he did last year, I think he finished as QB ten. I want to I want to say obviously depending on your on your scoring format, <laughs> but if you look at their receiving situation, their top three. I guess, you know, receivers in air quotes um, in terms of catches and yards was Ertz, Goddard, and Miles Sanders. So literally their top three options for their receiving game weren't even wide receivers. So you got to figure they're going to do something. That's where I want to see Robbie Anderson go. Um, even before any of the free agency stuff, they were rumored to be, you know, in the in the running for a first round uh, wide receiver. So, I mean, dude, if he's going from Greg Ward to whoever they end up getting in the first, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of double down that position, maybe take someone early, you know, uh, round one, round two, then maybe dip back into it on four, depending on what their pick situation is. Um, but Carson Wentz, QB eight right now, he's somebody who who just seems to kind of be, obviously he's not being slept on if he's still a, a top eight, but I think in terms of what his finishes could be at the end of the year, I mean, I think you're looking at a, a top three, top four kind of guy. So that is that's he's the guy who I chose who I'm I'm gonna be a little bit higher on. Um in terms of who we're lower on. <laughs> so whenever you look at this and we you're talking about receiver, you threw out Juju to me and you were like, I I don't get this at all. The guy that I don't get at quarterback, Daniel Jones at quarterback eleven. Am am I missing like am I crazy for thinking that's that that's way too high? For him, I mean, I get it. He has he, he's someone who also has the pieces around him, but I didn't see t- like he had a couple nice games, but I didn't see anything to me that inspired. Like, I wouldn't want him as my QB one. That's not, I mean, is is my top option. If you were able to get him last year in a in a rookie draft, and he's sitting there as QB two, maybe behind uh, you know an aging veteran, sure, that's fine. But if I'm doing a startup right now. I am not feeling comfortable with rolling with Daniel Jones as my as my QB one, and the the other one that I have down here, Jared Goff. I mean, and until they fix that offensive line, and I don't know how they're going to be able to do that with with the situation there and with their picks and everything. the 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 book is out on him. You know, what I mean, it's it's pressure not letting him get through his his progressions, getting him off of his first read. And then if you can collapse the the pocket, he's he's kind of left for dead. And I think he was QB 14, I want to say. So again, just just not a guy who that that price is a is a little bit too high for me. Yeah. So I mean he was somebody that was very volatile last year, right? I mean he had week He definitely three, had his games. Yeah, he sure. had 32 against in week three, but then he went 12, 10, 5 10 and then week eight he put up 28 and then 11.8 in week nine 28 week 10 14 8 35 in week 16 and then 14 week 17 like he beat up some really bad teams one of those you know so if you look at the teams he did it against the redskins the jets the lions cardinals, and the bucks probably yeah those were the teams that he did it against no against the cardinals he only put up 10.4 that's when they got dusted <laughs> uh if you remember so so i mean if he can become more consistent, like we know he has the pieces, right, with with Sterling Shepard, which Sterling Shepard is criminally undervalued as well. But they still have Golden Tate. They still have an Evan Ingram. If Darius Slayton can take another step forward this year, this, that could be a team that could take a wide receiver too. Wouldn't surprise me. But right now, like, I mean, I I get it. I guess for me, I still think that's high. 
but I think that's people valuing the age more than anything because you know looking at their you know just the quarterback ADP, you know seeing the guys that are going before him and guys that are going after him, I think you could easily make a case about it, right? So like you look at just the ADP and you see Daniel Jones going 11, you have Tua going 12, Burrow going 13, you make that argument, whatever. But then you, like you said, you had Goff at 14, Matt Ryan at 15, which I get he's 34 years old, but still, uh, I think Matt Ryan, you could success, you know, safely say that the next three to four years, he should still be a pretty solid quarterback. And then you have Stafford, you have Darnold, who's going at 17, and then you have Winston, you know, so, you know, I don't know why. I'm sure Winston's going to, you know, drop like a, you know, a, a rock. And then you have Kirk Cousins. But Kirk Cousins at 31 years old doesn't really compute to me either as as how is this dude who is, you know, going QB 20. He's only 31. I don't really understand why he's going so as, as low as he is either. Like, I felt like that is way mis- – that is completely mispriced. I think that's somebody who should be going much higher than that um, for me. The guys that I was more – a little bit lower on – Deshaun Watson now losing DeAndre Hopkins. And Deshaun Watson does not look like he's happy. I don't know if you saw the tweet that he sent out. He does not look like a really happy guy right now because that offense, at least as things stand at this moment, does not look good for for the Texans. And it it, it has no. to hurt Deshaun Watson a little bit. Like I don't think it's a huge blow to him, but it is something that I think it's going to knock him out. And you can make a case maybe he's not a top five quarterback now without without DeAndre Hopkins. And if he's going at QB three. You know, I, I think that's something to to consider. He's still very young. He's 24 years old. Same as Patrick Mahomes, and then you have Josh Allen, who's going QB seven. And again, like I, I do like the upgrade now with Stephon Diggs there. I think the passing arms could be a little bit more. But if he's not able to rely on his legs as much and doesn't and stops running, I think that's a problem. Like I would much rather have Carson Wentz than him. I would much rather have Baker Mayfield than him. And, and so like. I just thought QB seven was a little bit too high. I get the age at twenty three years old, and that's probably why he's going a little bit higher. But for me, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just think that's a little bit, uh, a little bit egregious to me. Yeah, that's that, that that's a bit high for me too. Because at that QB seven, you're kind of taking him at his ceiling, and you are also banking on him having the the rushing yards and the touchdowns, which. I mean, obviously, you can. He's shown that. Like, that is the one thing he's been consistent with. It definitely hasn't been his passing over the you know over the last two years. He has been consistent with it with his rushing game, um, but then you just have to ask yourself how long will that last? Yeah. So, like I said, uh, Kirk Cousins should definitely not be going QB twenty. I think that's uh, ridiculous. But and the, the crazy thing about the crazy thing about that too is this was probably in before the Diggs trade. You know what I mean? So like he was getting drafted at QB twenty, and that was with Diggs still being in Minnesota. You're muted. No, yeah. Where did he finish last year? Oh, I guess he did finish QB nineteen in fifteen games. Hmm. That was, I mean, that was also like that first game he threw what, like fifteen attempts or whatever that ridiculousness was. I think against the Falcons. Oh, that's right. Yeah, to start the year. Yeah, he was like, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was no, it was even worse than that. Like for, I remember us talking about that for like the first month of the season. Like he, like it was ridiculous how little he was being utilized. But I mean, thirty six hundred yards, twenty six touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, yeah, I mean, I still think that, that that's way too low for him and uh, somebody who can, um, who should be valued a little bit more than that. So let's go over to the running backs real quick. Um, don't want to spend too much time on these guys, but for me, the guys that really stood out to me as, as I was looking through this one was Josh Jacobs, you know, and then Marlon Mack, Darius Geis. David Johnson, which I have to believe this is going to correct itself once we find out, you know, now that I think once we get to April ADP to kind of circle back here and look at this, because they, they have David Johnson at RB40. Like, there is, I just cannot right, imagine a right. world where he's going to go anywhere close to that. And then the other one is Daryl Henderson. Again, now that Todd Gurley's gone, we haven't had time to really process that. So I'm, I'm almost certain that he is going to skyrocket with it with this with this news this is a situation though with, with the rams um i guess we didn't really get too far into the Rams side of it whenever we were talking about this but with the Rams side of it for me i look at this like uh, we're gonna have to wait and see because i could see them easily taking a running back in the first two or three rounds or the you know the first three rounds of the of the upcoming draft now that todd Gurley's gone they still yeah. have Malcolm Brown. Now, if Daryl Henderson flies up draft boards, like I would probably have a little bit of interest in Malcolm Brown as well because he's the cheaper asset. I know everybody loved Daryl Henderson last year. People were in love with Daryl Henderson. 
I know he's going to go much higher than that. And then David Johnson, I have to believe he's going to go way higher than RB40. You know, I thought I, would, I thought those were interesting guys. So for me, Josh Jacobs at RB10, like that's not egregious. It's not like way out of bounds. But I still think that he's being undervalued. And I think a lot of people still look at him like he's more of an in-between-the-tackles grinder type, not somebody who's going to be utilized as a pass catcher. And I think that's going to change. I know people, when they brought back Jalen Rashard, people were like, oh, see, that just indicates that they're going to use they're going to utilize him much more as a as a as a as a between the tackles guy and not get as much opportunity as a pass catcher. I don't believe that. I think Josh Jacobs is is, is a terrific asset. He's still only 22 years old. He really produced really well last year. I love Josh Jacobs, and if he's going like Derrick Henry going ahead of him makes me laugh. He's somebody that I'm lower on than consistency consensus he's only 25 years he is 25 years old but i would take josh jacobs all day seven times over uh you know over derrick henry for me like it's just easy for me i would take josh jacobs over aaron jones because as much i love aaron jones i am the aaron Ooh. jones bandwagon guy but i think aaron jones one we know the touchdowns are going to come down if that happens how how much do you utilize he was a super Boomer bust. He was like a tiny kill of running backs last year. And if that sort of equals itself out, how far, far is he going to drop? Love Aaron Jones. But I think Josh Jacobs is a much more secure asset, younger, and, and, and I think in an offense where he is going to be the, the focal point. And so I would take him above him. I think you can even make an argument if you want to take him above a Nick Chubb or a Joe Mixon. Because, like, Chubb, I love Nick Chubb. And I think I, I am... Hate the fact that Kareem Hunt is still. I don't think it's going to affect him as much as people think it does. But I think that he's in that conversation with those guys, though. I think he's that's where he should be in the Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb range, right? Um, but he's not, so he's going at RB ten. If I can get him there, I am. Yeah, I, I do like that that RB ten price, and I I, I think that um, Richard signing, you know, kind of kind of pushed him down to there. But I think there was there was something where it was like they called it phase two for uh for josh jacobs where they did want to get him more involved this year why he wasn't more involved in the passing game last year who knows maybe it had something to do with the injuries or maybe he wasn't picking up the offense i I, i'm not sure on that um but you you mentioned a guy that i am actually higher on um that i would i would definitely not take josh jacobs over and that is uh joe mixon coming in at rb6 so kind of the same thing you were talking about with Josh Jacobs. It's not, you know, it's obviously not egregious. He's obviously not being slept on by any means because both these guys are, are top ten backs. But I think Mixon should be up at. I would have. I would personally have him at, at four, possibly even three. Um, obviously behind McCa- <clears throat> McCaffrey and Barkley, excuse me. But I think Mixon belongs in that that top three, top four talk um, with Zeke. Obviously, that that offensive line is kind of starting to come unhinged a little bit between the the injuries. I think did I see that right? That Frederick Travis, retired. Yeah. yeah, that is yeah. a huge blow to that offense. Big, big blow to that offense. I mean, obviously Zeke doesn't need the a top tier offensive line, but to go from what they were, what he's used to running behind to what possibly might be around the corner, I, I don't think we've seen the best of Joe Mixon yet, and that's where you know with you know Burrow coming in. They're going to have um, the first round pick from Bama, the tackle. He's going to be, you know, should be healthy, obviously. So they're going to be getting him thrown into the mix. And as as bad as that offensive situation has been in Cincinnati, Mixon's still been producing and he's been a fringe, you know, kind of in that 10 to 13 range, depending on, you know, full PPR, half PPR or what have you. Um, but he's he, somebody I, I would definitely be taking him over, I think um, I want to say Kamara was going fourth in in the positional ADP. Anyway, that's I, I would at, at least at four, if not at three. He's someone who I'm who I'm really high on, and I think uh, Derek last week was talking about he's going to be taking Nick Chubb, you know, higher than what everybody else is, and people are going to kind of be looking at him funny when he keeps continually drafting Nick Chubb. Joe Mixon is going to be that guy for me. Um, just some some other names I'll throw out real quick. Uh, David Montgomery at RB23 and Justice Hill at RB42. With Hill, I think we saw kind of what he could do once you know, you know the, the shit hit the fan and they weren't controlling the game. Dude has a lot of juice. He's still someone I'm, I'm interested in and an RB42 price. 
I'll, I'll be all over that because they're still going to be a, a run first team. Then with Montgomery at, at, at RB23, I think he should be closer to the the mid RB2 range. I don't think um, with everything that's been going on in Chicago that he should be a lot higher. Um, but he, he's someone who I'm, I'm still believing in. Got to figure if, you know, if Foles takes over that starting job, that's going to kind of lighten the boxes for him. Um, and then if they can improve that offensive line, I think that'll be a huge help. And they've already talked about the the coaching staff. That is, they've already talked about wanting to get him more involved going into year two. So if he sees a tick up and and carries, and uh, hopefully with targets as well, if Tariq Cohen starts to get phased out a little bit, um, I think that 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 would be huge for him. No, I yeah, uh, I, I like. I mean, I love Joe Mixon. I love Nick Chubb. I th- and then I, I I can see where you're coming from with David Montgomery. I think this is where this is probably the buying season for David Montgomery now. Yeah, Everybody was sure. super high on him heading into last year. You know, we talked about the the, the missed tackles, the broken tackles, and all this stuff. But uh, so yeah, I mean, for me that. I guess with him is, is that I see that I, th- I feel like that this is one of those guys that now you head into this year and that you really try to take advantage of people and buy them uh, at, a, at a discount versus buying them as peak. And so I, I like that call. Um, you know, we've we already talked about So So the guys were lower on. I've already talked about for me that that's Derrick Henry. I think uh, if we're talking about PPR formats, I want no part. Like I, I am not as high as everybody else is on Derrick Henry. There's a lot of people that love Derrick Henry. I think he's a fun back to watch. We saw it last year, you know, with, that he can go on these incredible runs. We've seen it the last couple of years, really. With him having no pass catching upside is is always what's going to drive me away from him because if he does not find the end zone, that offense isn't as good as it was last year when they went on that crazy run, which I don't think it's going to be at all. That's going to be a problem for Derrick Henry. If and they lost a ton of pieces on that team. And if they're a team that, that starts playing from behind a lot, Derrick Henry's dead, right? And this is a team I would probably really watch. That, you know, we haven't really talked, you know, when we talk about, and we'll go through it again here in the next couple of weeks when we start talking about these rookies again. But this is a team that really could take a running back much earlier than people think. Because Derrick Henry was franchise tagged this year. I don't know if they're going to give him any any sort of big deal. I think this is going to be an opportunity where they franchise him, they run him as much as they can again, and then they, they let him go next year. And so I think this could be another buying opportunity. But for Derrick Henry, like I said, this isn't a great offense, and it's not a team that I think that they're going to try to run the football like they did last year. And But I don't think they're going to find that lightning in a bottle if they don't. RB9 is a heavy pill to swallow when there's quality running backs behind him, like I already mentioned with Josh Jacobs, that that I, that I can have, or some of these rookies that I'd rather have than him. So I, I just don't love that spot. And then Melvin Gordon, RB18, it's not a terrible landing spot, for, or it's not a terrible price at RB18. I just still think that's a little bit too high. I'd rather have him in the. I don't know if I, if I could get him as like a late RB two. I'd probably feel a bit better about it just because with Philip Lindsay there, I don't know how heavily he's going to be utilized and how this offense is going to go. This is a downgrade in terms of as things stand right now with the Chargers going to Denver. But if, if this offense can become much better, but like I said, I don't know how this is all going to shake out with him because Philip Lindsay's kind of been the man there the last two years, and so I don't know how this is going to work out with him. So those are the two guys for me that I'm a little bit lower on than everybody else. Yeah, man, the the Derrick Henry one just sticks out like a sore thumb. He's he's the one I wrote down too. We're on the same page there. The same thing with you're talking about with Melvin, the guy that the the other guy that I have down here, Carry On Johnson, RB twenty one. Again, that, that's not an awful price. But he's just someone that I'm. I think I'm just out on at this point. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. That run game hasn't looked great. Whenever he is on the field, um, that he, he's on who I'm like, and he's had everything kind of going for him too. All the offensive line, Matt Stafford when he's healthy, the the receiving weapons that we were talking about a little bit earlier. I mean, Dave. So some of the guys that are going after him, Le'Veon Bell. He he's he's someone who I'm out on as well. But Montgomery at RB twenty three, Clyde Edwards Hilaire twenty four, Kenyon Drake, Marlon Mack. I would take all those guys over Carry on Johnson. Just just me personally. It's tough with Carry on because when you watch him play, like he's an exciting player to watch, and you see the upside, you see what everybody else sees in him, right? But he just can't stay healthy. And like I don't know, like is this a David or David Dalvin Cook situation? Where if he can finally stay healthy, but the other thing is the other the other equation to that is I don't think they're going to commit to him like the Vikings have with Dalvin Cook. I, I don't think he's going to see that type of workload. I know you know we had uh, Nate on and he's really close with the Lions. The Lions fan follows the Lions closely. He's talking about how they love Bo Scarborough. We'll wait and see. I, I could all see them drafting somebody 
you know, as well. That this is another spot where he possibly could. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think there's running backs that are going later than them, going later than him. If he was going a little bit later, maybe four or five picks later, I'd be a little bit more inclined. Because if you look, I mean, Todd Gurley's going at 20, which I think that'll change now that we have a new landing spot for him. But like you mentioned, David Montgomery, Marlon Mack, I definitely agree with. Darius Guy, somebody I talked about. Yeah, guy, you know, like guys, I, I think... If, if you're looking at two guys that are injured, I think Geis's ceiling is higher. Like I don't see why there's a eight spot difference in terms of ADP um, positionally, and then looks like so carry on his overall ADP is at fifty three point five, and Geis is at seventy four points. Like at at that difference, you're almost talking about a what a two round difference, something like that. Um, give give me guys at that price. You know what I mean? This guy's now they did bring back Adrian Peterson, but I'm not worried about old ass Adrian again. Peyton Barber, with, baby. Like with, yeah, yeah, they brought in did Peyton you? Barber too. Like, yeah, I can't um, believe we didn't mention that. Oh yeah, I'm sorry guys, we uh, we missed that one. We'll do better, do better job next time on that. But yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, and you know, another guy I'd rather have now age isn't really the same here because I mean, carry on's only 22. Damian Williams, RB 32. Playoff Damien, like the guy who just won MVP. And again, this is uh, this is for people that are in dynasty leagues. I would be pounding the table to try to trade for as much Damian Williams as I possibly can because everybody seems to think, again, just like last year, that the Chiefs are going to draft a running back really high and kill Damian Williams. And Damian Williams, if Damian Williams, if they don't draft a running back or they take one in the fifth or sixth round again, Damian Williams is an absolute. St- deal at RB32 because he again we talked about it last year could easily be an RB1 next year like in that offense nothing's changed in this offense other than whatever they decide to do with Sammy Watkins I don't know what's going on with that but Sammy Watkins is most certainly gone but regardless of that they, they're going to head into the year with Daryl Williams possibly a rookie depending on what they decide to do Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson is not the answer. I know a lot of people thought he tried to make him a thing because everybody that was against Damian Williams, anything the Chiefs did, as soon as they signed LaShawn McCoy, people were all about LaShawn McCoy. I'm like, are you kidding me? We we, we have seen now two years in a row, if, the Chief, if Damian Williams is healthy, when he is healthy, the dude is a baller. And RB32, at, and he's only 27 years old. It's not like he's 30. Like, yeah, he's getting a little bit further. He's getting closer to that agent. But he's never he doesn't have all that wear and tear that a lot of 27-year-old running backs have. So I'm not really worried about that. If he, if, as long as he can stay healthy, Damian Williams is an absolute steal at, at RB32. And I don't know if there's a bigger steal than him. For, for reference, Damian Williams is RB32, and he's going in the, you know, pick 95. Ronald fucking Jones is going at RB36 <laughs> and at 107. That's all I got to say. Yep. The the thing with uh, the thing with Damian Williams as well, if you're trading for him now, even if they do like Kev, you're saying they're they're not going to take one early, but let's let's say they do, you know, round two or something on you know day two, they they end up taking somebody. E- even if that is the case, like you're not giving up, you're not going to have to give up a lot to get him. So even if they do bring in a rookie with you know with higher draft capital, it's not going to set your team back um, on DLF right now. They have a uh, they have a trade finder where they pull trades from my uh, my fantasy league from MFL trades that have actually happened. The uh, the most recent two, uh, Damian Harris and the three oh five uh, rookie draft. I mean the three oh five rookie pick for Damian Williams, and the other one is Hayden Hurst and a second for Damian Williams. So I mean, you're 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 not having to spend high prices, even if they do bring in someone. It's not going to set your team back. So this is something where, like, his that's already being baked into his price right now. Like like you said, everyone's assuming or thinking that the Chiefs are going to take somebody, you know, day one, day two of the draft. So that's why his price is as low as it is. So even if you have to, even if you go and trade for him, you're not going to be giving up a lot. And if for some reason they do end up taking uh, a rookie running back with higher draft capital, it's you know what I mean it's, it's not gonna it's that's not a move that's gonna set your team back. And if they don't, his price is going up. So if you don't believe in him long term, you can easily flip him for a lot more than what you what you paid for to get him in the trade initially. Yeah, and I think that's even a smarter move is 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 doing something like that is is acquiring him, and then, and then trying to flip him 
or once we get much closer to the season, I would be absolutely floored, floored if the Chiefs took a running back one in the first round. I think the most likely scenario for them is they're going to trade out of that first round and because um, they pick 32 I think to try to acquire some more picks. I think they trade out of that spot and move down into the second round. And they'll have two seconds. And I could possibly see them with one of those seconds take a running back. I think it's it's in the range of possibilities. But it's really going to depend on what they're able to do. Because this team, like I've mentioned uh, a bunch, and I feel like it's kind of a broken record. But this is kind of, the Chiefs are kind of, between them and the Bucks, they're kind of the last two really sexy spots for a running back. Now that the the, mm-hmm. the Falcons signed Gurley, the Texans acquired David Johnson. So now you, you kind of remo- remove those so that this is kind of the last two spots you have. But for the Chiefs, though, like, the Chiefs still need a corner. Like, the Basically, they're running out Rashad Fenton and, you know, and uh, Shavarius Ward. Like, they need a corner desperately. They need defensive line help. They can't bring back Mike Pinnell. They they definitely need some defensive line help. They need offensive line help. Like, they have pieces that they definitely need much more than a running back. And so, like, that's why I would be really surprised if they took a running back as early as people think. I think it's more likely they take one in the third or fourth or fifth round. They, they, that's just kind of been Andy Reid's MO anyway. Like, I would love if they took a Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, I would love that. You know, that I think you could get in the fourth round. But, yeah. again, mm-hmm. whoever they take, I don't care who that running back is. Now, it would make sense if it was a second-round pick running back. But, like, if it's, like, a fifth or sixth, seventh-round running back – People are gonna move that guy ahead of Damian Williams. That guy, that guy's gonna take over that guy's spot. I don't care who it is. Nobody was fucking talking about Darwin Thompson heading into the uh, heading post draft, like or pre draft. Nobody. The Chiefs took him, and it's all of a sudden like, oh boys, like okay, here we go, Darwin Thompson time. Get the fuck out. Like it just people just hate Damian Williams. I could talk about this all all night. See, you get, I got going. I did this myself. But moral of the story: buy Damian Williams. He is way too cheap right now. It could be an absolute steal. Gold, golden ticket. Because he could end up being a top 10 running back. So for wide receiver, uh, Allen Robinson, I'm much higher on. Uh, I know he's mm-hmm. going to like wide receiver mm-hmm. 20. I think he could easily... He's a guy that I would not be surprised at all. Finish a wide receiver one next year. Especially with a, be- a better a better quarterback play. You know, we, Mitch Trubisky was a train wreck last year. If Nick Foles takes over that job and, you know, actually looks like a competent quarterback, I think that's wheels up for Allen Rob. Taylor Gabriel's gone now. So it's basically him and Anthony Miller. You have Tyler Lockett yeah. who's going a wide receiver of 30. I'm like, get the fuck out. Like, what? Like, I don't get that one as much. I know now that they, excuse me, they, they, uh, they brought in another piece as well. And, you know, they still have DK Metcalf, a lot of people love. But I don't know. I just thought wide receiver 30 was way too low for me. I think the dude's still dynamic. He did deal with some injuries last year. So I love Tyler Lockett. I think if I can get him at, you know, at that price range, I am doing backflips. Deontay Johnson, I have talked about this a ton. I love Deontay Johnson. And he's somebody that I, I would try to buy everywhere. He is going way, way. Too- Will Fuller's at ADP, I'm pretty sure... Again, we haven't baked in the DeAndre Hopkins news because he was going ridiculously, ridiculously low. I feel like that was even way too low, even with DeAndre Hopkins still there, because he was going, where was that at? Yeah, wide receiver 51. And I'm like, what? Mm. Like, I, I don't understand that one. Even with DeAndre Hopkins there, that's still incredibly too low for Will Fuller. Healthy Will Fuller should be more like in that 30s range, in my opinion. But he is a guy that's probably going to move up very, very quickly now with DeAndre Hopkins. Deontay Johnson, for reference, is going at wide receiver 48. I think that is incredibly too low. Those are kind of the guys that I'm looking at that I would love to buy and that I would be in on. And also Sterling Shepard is the other one. He's going at wide receiver 52. I just think that's way too low for him. He is getting older. He is yeah. 27, but he he flashed last year as well, even with Golden Tate on the field. So I think he is their number one wide receiver, and I, somebody that I also uh, wide receiver 52 is just incredibly too low for him. Yeah, but both those guys that you talk about with uh, Fuller and Shepard, um, I think the reason why they're getting pushed down is just injury concerns. Obviously, Shepard a, a little scarier with his concussions and the head and the neck issues that that he's having. Um, but Fuller, I mean, his game is speed, and he, he keeps getting those soft tissue injuries. So I think that's why they're they're pushed down. But yeah, in the in the 50s, that that still seems too low, even with those injury concerns baked in. The guy, I, w- I was gonna that I had listed here, a Rob. You already touched on him, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dig any further into that. Uh, Tyler Boyd, a wide receiver, 25. I mean, it's it's probably a fair price, but I'd be willing to take him. You know, I mean, five six spots higher than that. I mean, with with what he's been doing with the with the offense they've had centered around him and the the issues that they have had, Burrow comes in if they can get that going. 
Um, I think wide receiver 25 would, would pay off pretty, pretty easily. And then, you know, we, we alluded to this a little bit earlier with some of the free agency talk and the, the signings, but Jamison Crowder at wide receiver 55. I mean, you would talk about someone who's just going to be absolutely peppered with targets. I mean, whether it's half PPR or full PPR, wide receiver 55 just seems way too low. And like you were talking about with uh, the Chiefs, you want to talk about another team that has just a shit ton of needs and holes that, that need to be filled. I mean, the, the Jets, I don't think they're going to be able to have the luxury of going out and, you know, I mean, spending a, a first round pick on a, you know, on a, on a receiver like that. So um, I think he goes into the into that season easily as the wide receiver one. And then you're looking at Perriman, Herndon, and Lev Bell to, to take the rest of the targets. So he's somebody who um, I'd be super interested in. He's never sexy. He was he was hyped up a couple of years ago, and that you know never really panned out. But if he's going to be the number one target for for Darnold, with not much else going on around him, wide receiver fifty five is just way too low. Who uh, who are you who are you lower on? Well, I just want to say really quick. I was looking it up really quick. Um... But like Deontay Johnson, he he really finished the year strong. If you look at the last four weeks of the season, um, finished as a mid-level wide receiver two. You know, had uh, nineteen point six against Arizona, nine point two, twenty-two point one, and nine point four over the last four weeks of the year. Had some other uh, decent weeks as well. Um, and really, I mean, their wide their quarterback situation was a train wreck all year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, like. You know, now with Big Ben back, like I think Deontay Johnson could really take off uh, big time, and I think he's somebody who's going to gain more steam as the season goes on, and it's going to be harder to acquire. So I think this is a perfect buying opportunity right now for somebody like Deontay Johnson. It's interesting. Now I was going back and actually looking at that over the last four weeks. Here are some of the wide receivers that finished inside the top twelve over the last four weeks: Rashad Perriman, which we already talked about, and then I noticed uh, Stephen Sims. I, he's somebody that a lot of people have been talking about all offseason yeah. as well as somebody is kind of at uh, you know that you know uh, a good buy low candidate right now. So I saw him and I thought that was. And then Jameson Crowder, who we've talked about, uh, also finished over the last four weeks of the season as uh, as the top twelve wide receiver. So um, some guys that I'm lower on. Okay, there's two. What is Juju Smith-Schuster? And I, again, in our Dynasty Slack this morning, I, I put this out there as I was kind of looking at some of this stuff. What in the fuck is Juju Smith-Schuster <laughs> doing going as wide receiver five and number 12 overall? I totally understand. But again, this is where I feel like people are overvaluing someone's age. Like This is at his peak. Like This is his ceiling as wide receiver five. Like Absolute ceiling. I don't get it. Like I know that he's young, and I know that last year we we could write that off as, "Hey, this is just a bad year." We their wide receivers were were trash, or their quarterbacks were trash. You know, and it just it just kind of it, it was what it was, and he can definitely bounce back. I think he can, but I have real concerns if he can actually be a legitimate wide receiver one. And at wide receiver five, like all the upside's gone. Like he has to hit his absolute ceiling, and there's just much better options there at wide receiver that I would much rather have later than him. I would much yeah. rather have Chris Godwin. Give me Chris Godwin all day, twice on Sunday. Juju Smith-Schuster's 23. Chris Godwin's 24. Chris Godwin's going at, he's wide receiver seven. DJ Moore, I would much rather have. I would rather have Amari Cooper than Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. You know, people can make a case, I guess, for A.J. Brown. I'm not as high on that as other people are. You can make a case for him. Like, there's a lot of wide receivers that I feel like that you can still make a case for. To take over Juju Smith Schuster, and I get that the age that you know you want to factor that in a little bit, but this is just too far. Like I don't understand seeing him here at wide receiver five. Maybe that maybe this is wrong, and and maybe this you know if you look at other places, maybe he's not going this high. But you know on DLF, like I was blown away when I saw this. I thought he'd be going like wide receiver 15, 16, something like that. Especially as as bad as he was last year. So when I saw that, like it threw me off. Like it really did. I was like I did not see this. And then the other one is Nikhil Harry, who's going at wide receiver thirty two, who did absolutely nothing and right now we're looking at the we're looking square in the face of Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham as a starting quarterback of the New England Patriots and I know they don't have a whole lot else there but like I just was floored to see that at 32 like he's somebody that should be going in the 50s in my opinion I know that he was coming he's a rookie last year and so he definitely could bounce back and he was a guy that everybody loved last year I haven't seen anything that says to me like oh okay this this guy's a boss I know he was suffering from injuries last year I know it's not fair to, to, to count that against him but I just felt like that was incredibly too high for a player who's done absolutely nothing on an offense that looks to be 
it's definitely doesn't look like it's going to be anywhere as good as it was last year. And that's not saying a whole lot because that offense wasn't very good last year. So those two spots for me, like uh, especially for Nikhil Harry, I just thought that was way too high. So I'm going to rattle off some names here. Just stop me whenever I get to a point where you would take the player that I name over Nikhil Harry. So everyone I'm going to be naming here is going after Harry. Um, Mike Williams, T. Higgins, T.Y. Hilton, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs, Darius Sloan, Nicole Harmon, Curtis Samuel, Denzel Mims, A.J. Green, Brandon Cooks, Deontay Johnson, <laughs> Robbie Anderson, Preston Williams, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, John Brown, LaVisca Chenault, Jameson Crowder, Anthony Miller, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. Um, okay, that might be why. But I love some Hunter Renfro now. But like, there's a couple of those guys I would consider, especially because like we don't know like with the rookies. Like I don't know where they're gonna go. Like I don't know where Lavishka Chenault's gonna end up, and he has his injury concern. And Brian Edwards, and you know I love Brian Edwards, but like there's some of these guys. Yeah, I could maybe see going ahead of him. A couple of these guys, but most of those guys, yeah, I would take over. I would take over to kill Harry right now. Um. My mind could change totally if they if they really make some moves here that they're kind of out of left field and they're able to do some things that maybe my mind changes a little bit. But I'm just not all that hyped on Nikhil Harry. I just don't get it. And so, like, if you have people who love Nikhil Harry like this, who are taking him like this, I would be sell, sell, sell as fast as I could. Yeah, so uh, Renfro was wide receiver 58, just uh, – in case the folks at home weren't weren't keeping up and, and counting. Two of the receivers that I'm lower on, one of them you mentioned, A.J. Brown. Uh, he's going at wide receiver 11. <laughs> to replicate the efficiency of what he what he did last year is just going to be um, is going to be super difficult to do. Um, Kev, I know your your favorite word every offseason is regression. Um, and, uh, and AJ Brown's, uh, touchdown rate I, is just unsustainable. I think like as much as we, we poke, poke fun at that word. I, I mean, that's definitely going to hit him. Um, I mean, he, he had a 15%, uh, touchdown rate. And then if you look at what he did over the playoffs, I mean, he literally just disappeared. He, he, you know, he destroyed, he had some massive weeks, 20, 25, 30 point weeks during the regular season in the playoffs over three games. 10 targets and he went five for 64 and one over three games. Um, and just like I said, for him to, to be able to repeat what, what he did in terms of his touchdowns. And I mean, he had some games where it was just like three for 153 and like two touchdowns. Like I, I just don't see any way he's going to be able to sustain that. Um, so he's somebody that I, that I'm lower on and a guy that we, you know, touched on a little bit earlier as well that I'll hit on quickly here. Stefan Diggs at wide receiver 18, I believe it was. Um, I just don't like the landing spot. I don't think he should be bumped down a lot lower. I still think he should be in that wide receiver two range, but more at the at the back end of wide receiver two rather than rather than the middle where he is right now. Yeah, I, I mean Diggs is like we kind of talked about. Like I, I'm okay with where he's going at wide receiver 18, um, but I know we kind of you know had a pretty heated debate about this last week um, with him. So you know I, I don't hate it. If, if, like I said, if you took him a little lower, I could understand. But, um, anyways, let's let's go ahead and jump over to tight ends, and then we will. I think we're gonna do a mock if we have enough time. So, anyways, let's. Uh, for me, it's Blake Jarwin. Um, love some Blake Jarwin. I think he's a guy that's gonna gain more and more hype as the season or as the off season goes by. Especially if they don't do a whole lot to address that position in the draft. Now we know J- Jason Witten is finally gone. He is now in Oakland, so I'm perfectly, perfectly okay with that um, because I think Blake Jarwin really has a potential here to be a big beneficiary here in this offense. They don't have Randall Cobb as well. They lost him, and so I mean, right now we're basically looking at Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and I think that Blake Jarwin could factor in being the number three target here in this offense. And he had a few. I mean, he had some decent weeks last year. They utilized him a ton. Um, I mean, he did have the what one game against Chicago where he had six receptions, but other than that, he never went over three. But I mean, he had you know twelve points week one, he had eleven points week nine, eleven points week fourteen. Which as a tight end, I mean that you don't really hate that. So um, I just think that in this offense, 
with Mike McCarthy and, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, with in another contract year, because it doesn't think they're going to get a deal done there. Like I like Blake Jarwin a lot and he's essentially, you know, free in a lot of places. So I love Blake Jarwin and I think he's somebody that I would definitely be looking to invest in. And then the other one is Dallas Goddard. Um, like he, again, I don't think it's his price is egregious, but I think he's going to tight end 11. I like Dallas Goddard a lot. Like the dude is a monster. And right now, like I said, they don't really have a lot of passing options. So they're going to, they're going to continue to run a lot of two tight end sets. And I think Dallas Goddard is definitely the tight end of the future there in Philadelphia. And it wouldn't be surprised if this was Zach Ertz last year in Philadelphia. So I love Dallas Goddard and getting in a little bit a year early, but somebody who's going to be able to still provide you with some fantasy, you know, with some, with some upside, um, somebody that you could probably still feel comfortable with starting on most weeks as well. So I love Dallas Goddard and at a wider, or excuse me, at tight end 11, I think it's still, it's still a decent enough value that you, that you can feel pretty good about it. Yeah, with with tight with tight ends being the you know the absolute dumpster fire that they are, um, uh, like you said, I don't, I don't think that price is egregious. And if this is Earth's last year, you're going to be able to pick him up at a discount, and then we're going to be. I mean, I think if if Earth's is out next year and they don't do anything crazy in terms of you know picking up a you know take taking a tight end next year, you know top two rounds or anything crazy like that, um, I think we're going to be looking at Goddard as top three tight end by you know this time next year so i i like that call a lot um the guys that, that i'm going to throw out here one we've already touched on a little bit so i'm not going to go too far into it but chris herndon just with the the opportunities if he's able to get on the field uh going at tight end 23 right now i think he could be a really nice value at that spot and this one's going to change obviously with uh with the trade that happened but hayden hurst was going at tight end 31 um that's obviously way too low. That's going to jump up. It wouldn't surprise me if he jumped up into like the top 10 range, definitely a top 12. Um, but, but even at that, we didn't get to see too much of him in Baltimore. Um, you know, we, we do have to remember that he, he was actually their first, first round pick in, in that draft. And they took Andrews, I think in the third round. Um, but now that he's going to have the, the opportunity to be the guy, with uh obviously he's going to be lower on the the target chart um with Ridley and Julio there obviously and then if depending on how much Gurley gets used but Hayden Hurst is going to jump up and he's going to be somebody that that I'd be targeting and I don't think his I don't think his price is going to get out of control so if you if if you're in a in a dynasty league that requires a, a starting tight end he's someone who, who you might be able to go out and, and snag on the on the cheap uh, two guys that I am lower on, uh, Evan Ingram at tight end five, dude just can't stay healthy. I, I would not feel comfortable taking him at that price. Um, and then Austin Hooper at tight end six, I, especially if Njoku stays there, which I hope that doesn't happen. I hope Njoku gets a, gets a chance to go elsewhere and, and, and be the guy. Maybe a change of scenery will do him good. But they ran tight end sets a lot and that's Stefanski offense uh last year with Rudolph and Irv Smith so if if Njoku's there you know now now you're talking about uh battling with targets between Chubb Hunt uh Odell Landry so I'm just not sure how the how the opportunity is going to shake out there for for him so those are those are two guys that that I am lower on Kev did you have anybody that that you want to talk about not necessarily guys that I'm well, I guess what I could probably bring up is Johnny Smith. I think people look at him and we we kind of okay, Delaney Walker left and is no longer there. So people are like, oh my God, Johnny Smith is gonna blow up. But like Johnny Smith has basically been the starting tight end for the, the Titans for the last two years and hasn't really done anything with the opportunity. Right. Um he's not I mean the well, Tight end 15 isn't crazy, so like I'm not like knocking it that much. He's just not somebody that, like I would probably rather have Ian Thomas. And to be honest, like looking at some of these now, like I mentioned Blake Jarwin, much rather have him. Put Jack Doyle at tight end 28. Like, I don't understand that one at all. Like, that makes no sense to me. He's gonna be their starting tight end. Now they could draft somebody and maybe that changes some things if they were to take like Alberto or something in the, the second round or something crazy like that. But like Jack Doyle, tight end 28, give me that all day, twice on Sunday, especially with Eric Ebron gone. Or even Eric Ebron, now in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, who's going to tight end 33. 
So I don't know. Like there's just some tight ends here that I just feel like that is 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 mispriced. And Johnu Smith at tight end fifteen, I don't love it. I know at the end of the year he kind of started to come on a little bit and things started to click a little bit, and so maybe you know you get a little excited about that. But I don't know about Johnu. I know there's a lot of hype around him and people are starting to really love him, but he's had opportunities and he just hasn't done a whole lot. Well, I don't think his ADP is anything crazy, but uh, he's just not somebody that I'm actively looking out to go out and acquire. I think um, the drumbeat, if you will, will 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 get louder and louder with him um i just haven't seen anything in the last couple of years i know he kind of ended the season well last year and sometimes tight ends take a while to break out and he has an athletic tight end so um i I just don't have a lot of faith in the titans offense right now to uh invest in somebody like that i just think there's better options maybe cheaper guys you know we talked about jack doyle going super late and um you know i would much rather invest in him i think you get him at a much cheaper discount so um yeah so i think that's where we're at so with that i think um you know that's all we got this week um i really appreciate everybody tuning in checking out the show uh really means a lot um again you know please you know subscribe you know rate and review the show we really appreciate it helps us out and you know if you want to jump into our slack chat it's absolutely free we've you know kind of talked about it we have a dynasty we have a best ball we have dfs which really isn't worth anything right now but (laughs) we have redraft that you know really once you get past um the draft here in three weeks you know yeah that couple you know probably about another month and then you know redraft really starts kicking up so we'll be getting back into that but you know i think over the next three weeks we'll probably be doing a lot more jumping back into the rookies that uh that are coming out in here in the next couple of weeks we did get news from the nfl that um roger goodell announced that uh it's uh business as usual at least for the draft the draft will be going on in april 24th through the 26th so um, we have a lot to get to there. We'll kind of dive back in, uh, you know, now that we've post combine, kind of let things settle a little bit. And now we'll kind of ramp back up with rookies and everything else. So if there's anything else you guys want to hear, a topic, anything, always please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at FF underscore authority, or you can reach out to us um, via email, which is the fantasy authority one at gmail.com. And we are more than happy to talk about anything you guys want. If you have a question, you know, feel free to leave it for us. Or if you have a topic you guys want to hear, we have, you know, love to do that as well. I would like to get into some more like keep type stuff i don't think that is uh, an area that a lot of podcasts if any podcasts that i know of really get into and really dive into and i think that's a really you know not a huge subsection but a, a decent subsection of the fantasy community that just kind of gets neglected every year and i think that's something we'd like to get into we're gonna do some best ball shows and other and everything else so again until next week when we see you guys uh really really appreciate everyone checking out and thank you for being a friend